You are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant. We're an evangelical covenant church located outside of Ellsworth in western Wisconsin. I'm Todd Speaker, the pastor here, and you can learn more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be looking at the end of chapter 18. Starting in verse 41, more or less. So yeah, First Kings 18, verse 41. So at Bethel, uh, these last weeks, we've been uh, looking at the story of somebody named Elijah. And can you guys um, remember what Elijah's name means? We've done it a few times. What's, what's, the, what's the Eli, the L stand for? God, that's right. And and what's the what's the Yah stand for? El Yah. Yahweh. Yeah. So so it's um, Elijah's name literally means Yahweh, which is the uh, way uh, people in the Old Testament talk about their God. Um, Yahweh is my God. Uh, so his name literally means the Lord is my God, or. or or the God of the Bible is my God, or, or Yahweh is my God. And Elijah lived at a time uh, when things were crazy in his world. First uh, Kings described uh, the king who was alive during Elijah's time as, um, as, all, as more evil than all the, all the bad kings put together before him. Uh, so if you've, if you've ever you know, wanted to say really something just extreme about somebody, you know, that's, that's, that's it, right? So, so uh, the king of Israel, God's people, uh, was, was more evil than any king before him. While Elijah was alive, uh, there was a three-year-long drought, uh, so a massive crisis uh, in, in the world. Uh, so things, things were crazy for Elijah, and, and his mission, his life, was all about his name. Uh, the Bible does this a lot. The names of characters will give you a hint as to what their lives were about. And so Elijah's life was about the fact that Yahweh was his God and not somebody else. Uh, So that's where we've been so far. Uh, If you remember when we started, uh, this big drought started and God took care of Elijah, showed Elijah uh, where the true source of life, provision, uh, and and life is, and that it's in in his God, in Yahweh. The second section, um, Elijah stands uh, at the base of this mountain and challenges um, the, the prophets of the, the other regional gods in this big contest with this sacrifice. And we talked about how uh, Elijah, by putting his faith and trust in the one uh, true God, had a, a firm foundation um, to, to live a, a very different kind of life than those that chase after so many different priorities and ideas and, um, and important things. And so... <clears throat> Uh, so Elijah, right, lived in a time when the world seemed crazy, when nobody knew how things were going to turn out. Doesn't sound familiar at all. Um, but we've been focusing on on this story, uh, this story about this man and and his name. And so so far, um, most of our focus has been on what Elijah's done. You know, Elijah trusted God by the river, and Elijah built the altar and prayed and stood all by himself when everybody else disagreed with him and, and did uh, what God called him. But today. Um, we're going to focus on um, what the story of Elijah tells us about God. Uh, so if, if Elijah's God is Yahweh, um, the story of Elijah here in 1 Kings tells us a lot about what Elijah's God is like. Um, 
what, uh, what defines him, what kind of, um, and, and some very important things. And I find that when things are the most uncertain in my life, I find that when things are crazy in my life, when the, when the walls are coming off and the wind is blowing and it, it might rain, uh, you know, in my life, I'm much better off when I stop putting my focus and attention on my fears or even my hopes. I find that in my life when things are crazy, when, when every day, you know, you open your phone or whatever and there's some new uh, crazy story, I find that my life is much better when I don't spend my day focused on that, but when I instead um, shift my focus to God. And so that's what we're going to do today. For just a little bit today before we, we do this baptism, we're going to shift our focus to God. We're going to learn what Elijah's God looks like from First from Kings. Uh, because when we do that, it's amazing how quickly an uncertain, crazy world where people are coming at you from every angle um, calms down when you have the right place to put your focus. Um, when I was a kid, um, and actually still today, one of the reasons, uh, still today I, I have trouble in cars. I hate riding in cars, especially in the back. I get car sick um, unless I'm driving. Uh, and the only thing that can get me to feel better is if I'm sitting in the front seat and I only focus just directly on the horizon in front of me. You know, I start to feel a little iffy. It's never super bad, but I'm feeling bad. And if I can catch it at first, if I can stop looking at the things that go by the window, or if I can stop messing around on my phone or whatever when I'm not driving, uh, and focus on the horizon, I feel I feel better. Um, and, and so the key, I think, in the middle of chaos, in the middle of craziness, is to shift our focus, and maybe if we find a way to focus on God, we might be a little less car sick during this highly anxious time. And so, so today we're going to look at that. Um, but I want to start with kind of a, a basic view of how I think most of us, whether we admit it or not, tend to think about about God if if, if we believe in if we even believe in God, right? Uh, so I think most people in our culture that believe in God or a higher power, or something bigger than us, or a system that sits at the foundation of the world, whatever your belief is, I think most of us um, tend to think the world works or should work this way, okay? Um, if I do mostly good things in my life, what should happen to me? Good things, right? If I, if I go to church, or I go to work, or I pay my taxes, or I believe the right things, or I you know, try not to hurt other people and I'm nice to people on the street, what kind of stuff should happen to me? Good stuff, right? And if uh, I mostly uh, do bad things or if I do a few really bad things, what should happen to me? Bad, bad things, right? Pro probably, not, probably not good things, right? So if, if I commit crimes or I cheat on my significant other or I hurt people or lie to people or or maybe if I do things that aren't good for me, like eat unhealthy food or, or, or use drugs or something or watch too much TV, bad stuff's going to happen to me. And if I do good things, I diet and exercise and I'm nice to my neighbors and I try not to fight too much with my parents, then good stuff will happen to me. And the thought is that if I do enough good things in my life, good things will happen to me. And if you believe in an afterlife, you'll probably go to a, a good place. And if you do bad things and you hurt people and you cheat people and you steal or whatever... Um, you know, bad things will happen to you, and someday, um, you know, after you die, maybe you'll go to a, a not so not so good place. Right? I, I think I think most of us uh, live our lives with this framework, and and the reason I believe that is because whenever we encounter stress or challenge or or bad things in our lives, um, we we revert to this right away. You know, it's like, how did I get uh, this disease? I exercise all time, right? Or 
Or how did I lose my job? I work so hard every day. It's not fair. And, and believe it or not, you know, so I think most of us tend to think this on this cosmic scale that people ought to get what they deserve, right? Uh, and and maybe we wouldn't say that out loud. And I know, you know, we you know, church people, we say, oh, no, but grace and stuff. And yeah, of course, of course. But but down at our core, we, we still kind of believe that, right? People ought to get what's coming to them. And uh, believe it or not, the in the Old Testament, uh, the God of the Bible, Yahweh, Elijah's God, uh, sort of makes a deal like that. Uh, the Old Testament is sort of uh, all about a deal like that between God and uh, God's people. And the deal is this. Um, in the Old Testament, God meets a man named Abraham, and he promises Abraham that he's going to make a whole nation out of him and his descendants. And he says, tells Abraham, if that nation will stick close to me, I'll stick close to them. And, and the deal works like this, and it gets repeated a few times in the Old Testament. It works like this. If you, if you choose God and you do good things, things will go good for you. And, and this isn't just individuals. This is the whole community, the whole nation. So if you choose God, do good things, things will go good. If you reject God and do bad things, things will go bad. Okay, right. Easy to remember. That's the deal. If you want to understand the, the basic story of the whole Old Testament, it all revolves around this question and this deal between God and human beings. And the rest of the Bible is about what happens when human beings repeatedly break that deal, repeatedly fail to, to hold up their end of the bargain, where repeatedly do bad things, and how God responds when the people that he said, if you do bad things, bad things will happen to you. If you do good things, good things will happen to you when they keep doing bad things. And so, so back to our story, Elijah lives in a time where uh, the king is the most evil king ever so far. So what's Israel doing a lot of right now? Bad things. And Israel's rejecting God, right? So according to According to the Old Testament, the deal of the Old Testament, Abraham's deal with God, Moses' deal with God, uh, repeated again and again and again, what should happen to God's people in Israel knowing that they've been doing a whole lot of bad things? Bad, bad stuff. Yeah, exactly, bad stuff. So our, our story starts with some bad stuff, right? There's a three-year-long drought. That's a perfect example of bad stuff happening to people that did, did bad things. And in the middle of this, but, but in the middle of this drought, it changes a little bit. Uh, even though the people did bad things and they, they aren't turning back, God decides anyway to send Elijah, whose name means, right, the Lord is my God. You guys got to help me. We'll get through this, I promise. It's beautiful out, actually. You see that? Uh, <clears throat> uh, so, so Elijah shows up and he tells Ahab, hey, Ahab, there's going to be this three-year drought. There's bad stuff coming, uh, but it's not too late. You know, uh, turn back to Yahweh. Um, stop doing the evil things you're doing. Uh, but instead, uh, Ahab responds by trying to kill Elijah and by killing everybody else that's on, on kind of Team Yahweh in, in the community. Uh, so what should happen to Ahab, the king of Israel, and Israel, who is responsible uh, collectively for Ahab's actions in the Old Testament? What should happen to them? They get warned, but he's like, forget it, I'm going to kill you instead. What should happen to Israel? Bad things. Thank you, Sherry. You are helping me. We'll get through this bad things yes uh, but instead of giving them what they deserve right bad bad things uh, God sends Elijah to try and win them over he sends this three-year drought so that's some bad stuff but Elijah comes back at the end of the three-year drought nobody has shown any sign of repentance nobody has shown any sign of of turning back to Yahweh in fact 
all the prophets um, are gone, as far as anybody knows, and they're they're just praying extra hard to the other gods. They're doing uh, even more evil, trying to make uh, this situation reverse. And so God sends Elijah uh, to go back to Ahab and says, Ahab, uh, the rain is coming back, uh, but but what I want to do is, is have this contest. We talked about that last week. So Elijah has this contest with the prophets, and he prays, and, and the fire uh, comes down from heaven and, and burns up the altar. You know, Elijah stands all by himself, and he says, hey, guys, choose Yahweh or Baal today. And if you remember last week, the people respond with just dead silence, right? He says, choose Yahweh or Baal. And the people are like, mm, we're just not going to say anything. So they, they don't do it, right? And so if you choose God, and um, that means good things will happen to you. If you reject God, bad things will happen to you. What should happen to Israel? They're all standing in the field. The droughts, Elijah says, the droughts caused by God. It's about to be over. Here's your chance. Do you want to turn? And they don't turn. What should happen to Israel? Bad things. Not a single person turns. Not a single person uh, before this this amazing miracle happens, uh, turns or repents or anything. Uh, but instead what happens is God shows up in a tremendous miracle. Elijah builds an altar and God sends fire down from heaven to show everybody in Israel who's living there who he is. If they didn't believe him before, they believe him now. And the people start chanting, Yahweh is Lord, Yahweh is Lord, Yahweh is Lord. And you're like, okay, well, well, they sort of got it. But, but I mean, it took pillar of fire coming down from heaven to consume uh, this thing. You know, um, according to the deal, according to the deal, that fire that they got to feel from the uh, the stands probably should have been coming down on, on who? On Israel, right? Bad things, bad things, bad things, bad things, bad things. Uh, you know, and then maybe you think, you know, now they, they say, okay, God, no, now we believe in you. Uh, have you ever, I, I've never been in a relationship like this, but have you ever, ever been uh, in a relationship with somebody, a friend or a work colleague that just repeatedly does the thing that you ask them not to do? It's like, you know, please don't microwave the fish again. And and they're like, no, and they just do it again and again and again. And finally you talk to your boss and you're like, can you tell them please to stop microwaving the fish? And then finally they're like, okay, I'll stop. You know, do you feel good about that person? Do you trust that person to not microwave fish again? No, no, you don't. You don't. You you unplug the microwave and hide it because it's no more, right? Um, but instead, uh, God doesn't welcome them back on a provisional basis, right? Uh, you'll see what happens. Maybe you think, oh, maybe if the people apologize. The people don't even apologize. They say Yahweh is God, but they never say, we should have believed you. Sorry for killing all the prophets. Sorry, Elijah, for making your life hard. Nobody Nobody apologizes. Um, so, so what should happen to these people? What should the people have to do to get back in, in the good place? Well, well, here's what happens next. Um, this is the very next thing. First Kings 18, 41 through 46. Fire comes down from heaven. Everybody now all of a sudden they're, they're fair weather fans. You know, it's like, you know, when I uh, left Chicago, the, the Cubs won the World Series and then I was like a huge Cubs fan again, you know. Uh, they're, they're, all, they're all Yahweh fans. Um, <clears throat> this is what happens next. It says, then Elijah says to Ahab, the evilest king ever, he says, go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Okay, so, so Ahab goes to eat and drink. Elijah climbs to the top of the mountain. So before he was at the base of the mountain, now he goes to the top of the mountain. 
and he bows low to the ground and prays with his face between his hands. Elijah starts praying for rain, okay? And, and so he he's doing that, and he says to his servant, hey, check the weather report. This is how they check the weather report back there. He says, go look at the sea, and if you've lived in that region, it, it's true, you know when rainstorms are coming because a little teeny tiny cloud will rise up just over the sea. And so the guy looks, he doesn't see anything, and he comes back, and, and Elijah's still praying, and and Elijah says, okay, go, go check again. And so the guy's like, okay, yeah, the weather, no, no, no rain coming, Elijah. Comes back again. Seven times, Elijah sends the servant to, uh, to check the weather. And then finally, the servant says, you know, I'm seeing like, like one, one little cloud on the app. Like maybe it's going to rain. I'm seeing one little cloud over the sea, it says, the size of a man's hand. And Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb in your chariot, go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you, right? Because we haven't had a lot of rain in three years. Uh, you're not going to be able to cross the rivers if they're flooded with water. And so Ahab uh, believes him. And as soon, and soon the sky was black with clouds. Not like this, but like, you know, like, like go down in the basement, the sirens are going, go down, you know, like for real, it's going to rain. And a heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into, a cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. So um, one of the, the reasons why a lot of people think um, Elijah runs ahead of him is it's, um, it's sort of actually a, a way of respecting Ahab as the king. Um, sometimes you'd have your, your kind of poor person run ahead of you. And so, so Elijah leads the way, but he's also showing respect to this this terrible guy, the worst worst king ever. So it's, it's really strange, right? Um, <clears throat> Elijah prays seven times, and God sends a massive rainstorm. So what should have happened to the disobedient people that never get anything right with the most evil king in the history of ever? What should have happened to them? Good things or bad things? Bad things. What happened instead? Good things. Amazingly good things. A rainstorm that they hadn't had in three years. This is a, uh, you know, you want to talk about living through a crisis. A three-year drought is a, is a country-level existential crisis. People were desperate. And the rain pours down. This is the most beautiful, amazing possible thing that could happen. Uh, rain falls abundantly. So even though the people turned their back on God and they broke the deal, they didn't do what they were supposed to do, they only turned around at the last possible minute when it was so obvious that God was in control. Um, instead of crushing them like he crushed that altar, he rains down provision. So what does that tell us about Elijah's God? What does that tell us about Yahweh versus Baal? Because according to the deal, their faithlessness, their failure, their betrayal necessitated curses, bad things. Their bad, evil actions that were harmful to others and, and their whole community deserve bad results, but instead God showers blessing, restoration, and love. When the most evil king ever leads the nation astray, God doesn't crush him and obliterate him with fire and curses. He sends Elijah to reach out to him and his people to give them chance after chance after chance. And this story is the story of the Old Testament. Uh, if you've always wondered what the Old Testament is about, it's this. It's about God's people not doing what they're supposed to do and God finding some way to love and care for and heal 
and save them anyway. And it's unfair, it's undeserved, and if it was you or, or I in power, we probably would have crushed them long ago. I don't know about you when you get wronged. But God acts with love despite human evil. In the face of human evil, God's solution is love. And that tells us something about who Elijah's God is, doesn't it? It tells us we have a God who even when logic and fairness says he should be writing someone off, he's running after them. When logic and fairness says he should be punishing, he's healing. When logic and fairness says he should be leveling consequences, he's offering second chances and third chances and forgiving. If you read the Old Testament looking for this, I promise you, you'll find it again and again and again and again and again. The Bible word for it, of course, is is what? What's the Bible word for how God acts towards people? Mercy. The other Bible word, right? Grace. But that word is often so cheapened and misunderstood. Uh, God acts with costly love in the face of human evil. He sends rain, hears the cry for help, invites the wayward home, even though again and again people fail, miss the point, hurt others, reject God. God refuses to give up on them. And finally, this costly love that's carried throughout the Old Testament again and again and again makes its way into the story of Jesus. When God himself to heal and reach out to and care for a wayward humanity sends himself, his own flesh and blood, his son, fully God, fully man, to walk the earth with human beings, to eat with them and and play with them, uh, to teach them and heal them. God sends this amazing person, just like he sent Elijah to point the way home. And what do human beings do to God himself when he walks the earth? They capture him and they kill him. What should happen to the people that do something like that? That take, uh, this isn't even biting the hand that feeds you. I mean, this is like a whole other category. What should happen to the people that killed God's own son? What would you do? You know, fire, curses, disease, what punishment fits that crime? But instead what God does, is he allows Jesus, his own son, fully God and fully human, to carry the consequences, the pain, the brokenness of all human evil and die with it and for it. God allowed himself to bear the consequences for our failure, our evil, again and again and again, even though he wasn't responsible with it. God acted with costly love in the face of human evil. He carried our failure, our ignorance, our evil, our sin to the cross on our behalf. And three days later, instead of wiping the whole nation out, he rises again from the dead, defeating it. So I believe that that is who God is. And I believe that that God is in charge of this world. And that when things are crazy, when we're worried, when people do dumb things, when people do evil things, when people do wrong things, when life seems out of control and we don't know what to do to get to uh, tomorrow, when I fail, when I sin, when I do evil, when we make mistakes, we can fix our eyes and put our focus on a God who acts with costly love despite our human evil. We can admit our failures, put our faith in Christ and be promised new 
eternal lives with new hearts starting today. Not because we're basically good people that do good things and deserve to be rewarded, but because despite our sin and our evil and the things that we do that we know we should have done, but we did anyway because we're selfish, God shows costly love to us. He pursues us even when we turn away from him. He offers us life even though we choose death. And in a moment, we're going to do two things that remind us of that gift of who that God is. We're going to uh, take the Lord's Supper. We're going to remember that his body and blood were freely given to evil people. That his grace is not our goodness. It's his grace that sustains our lives and ensures our tomorrows. And then we're going to baptize with water. And we're going to remember that even though we make a choice to accept God's grace, that is the last step on a long journey that God walked towards us, pursuing us like sheep who go astray, like coins that get lost in houses, like sons that waste their inheritance. God came the whole way. So that is the kind of God that we believe in as Christians. And so maybe as you sit here, you remember a time in your life, maybe something amazing happened to you. You know, maybe God has showed up in your life in a big way. You, maybe you even had your own mini miracle. You prayed hard for something and it came true. Uh, it was really important to you at the time, but, you know, maybe you let that gift, that appreciation fade away. You simply went back to normal life. Maybe you feel guilty about that. Maybe there was a time uh, in your life where you were supposed to do something. You knew you should do something. The little good one on this shoulder was like, yep, that's definitely the right thing to do, but instead you did something else and you're still kicking yourself today. Maybe if you're honest, your life is marked by tons of small and medium-sized selfish compromises that have hurt God and the people that you care about and probably a lot of people you don't care about. Maybe you did something you knew was really wrong and you still feel guilty about it. Maybe you feel like you're a pretty good person, but, but you can see the cracks in your moral mask. But if, if you fail to do the right things like I do, if you're willing to admit the ways that you uh, rationalize, ignore, cover, and justify your failures, I want to invite you to know that God has pursued you despite what you've done, that God wants to make you new and cover over whatever those maybes are. I want to invite you to accept what the God of undeserved rain offers. Would you pray with me? Father, my evil, my wrong, and the sin and evil I benefit from are great. For the sake of your son Jesus, forgive me, and by your Holy Spirit, make me new. Lord, we admit our failures. We put our faith in your Son. And we ask for the transformation that comes from your Spirit. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can find out more about us and join our live streams at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. Thanks and have a great week.